Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Desert Tones podcast. Uh, this is Jared, and I'm joined by... Hey, this is Dylan. And Joey. Uh, today, we're going to uh, do a few different things. We're going to talk about uh, pedals, which is our main topic, but we actually have a few other uh, segments to go over. Uh, and I believe Dylan is going to tell us about his spectacular trip in Colorado. Yeah, so we do. speaking of concerts, uh, we all... I think all of us, we all bought tickets. We're going to go see Tesseract together Yep. in no- yeah. November. I've been wanting to cross that band off the concert list for some time now, so yep. I'm really excited for that. And uh, Joey, you you were out of town. You went to a concert recently. Yeah, I didn't get to say it last time on the last episode, but last month uh, we went to Seattle for a number of days, but we got to see Thrice on there. Uh, Artist in the Ambulance uh, 20th anniversary tour. So oh, that's, that's really cool. cool. Played it front to back. Um, they actually they did a a Beatles cover. I don't remember what it was, but let me see if I can find it. I hope it was I Am a Walrus. Uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. She did. That's what I did. Uh, yeah, I'm so just b- before you talk about Colorado, Dylan. I'm we're, we're going to go see Coed and Cambria in September, and Arctic Monkeys in September in Austin. So that's that'll be interesting. But the uh, Tesseract show, I'm I'm super excited for. That's a band I've been waiting for for like ten years. So yeah, Joey's seen them twice. Yeah, two or three times. We've and gone and before we move on, how many times have you seen Thrice? like six six or seven times nice oh god probably seven now with that one yeah all right dylan we're we're all waiting on the edge of our seats (laughs) (laughs) yeah so a couple weeks ago i went up to boulder colorado and saw uh dead and co uh for their on their final tour for those that aren't hip to that that's a grateful dead spinoff with a few of the original members and john mayer and then a couple other guys that are from the Grateful Dead sphere playing with them and this was their allegedly final tour and they did three shows up in Boulder and got to catch the last two and and it, it was the best that I'd seen I've seen them four times saw them in 16 17 and 18 and then now back in, in 23 and I think it was the best time they had a different the main drummer was a different guy and yeah. so it was like a little bit more energy and they just, you know, they're just refining and getting better each time. So, yeah, um, I'm sure. I mean, they were supposed to have called it quits a long time ago. So I'm sure they'll be back shortly yeah. in some other iteration. But for a final send off for this outlet, it was a really good show. And uh, on night three, they had a drone show at 600 drones up in the sky doing doing some cool stuff, doing all the logos and all that. And then at the, the finale, they brought Dave Matthews up and did some songs. So that was really cool. Uh, was O'Teal still playing bass for them? Yeah, it was O'Teal. Uh, okay. I think he's from the Allman Brothers and then the Tedeschi Trucks Band. And then the keyboard player is Jeff Clementi, who plays, who's played with Bob Weir over yeah. the years. And then um, Jay Lane was playing drums, who's also just been in the sphere for a long time. It's a really good show. It's uh, the Each show is going to be a different thing, so that's like... The thrill of going multiple shows and seeing you have knowing i no idea what's going to happen it's, yeah it's yeah fun nice yeah that's cool um uh mm-hmm. the keyboard player is the guy that has the long gray hair right mm-hmm. okay. jeff jeff clementi chimenti you say it? 
Um, so last time we decided to start a new piece where we talk about what's on our uh, reverb feed. Um, and uh, considering that was such a huge success, we're going to continue <laughs> doing it. Uh, actually, I, I guess I can go first because mine is fairly short. Um, I've spent like a majority of the last month or two looking at Acoustasonics um, by Fender. Uh, I was primarily looking at the Stratocaster. Um, and uh, I ended up finding one locally, which was super cool, thanks to Dylan. Um, got a really good deal on the on the uh, actual finish uh, Strat. Um, I cleaned it up and oiled it, and it's, it's, it's really sick. I'm really excited about it. Um, and then other than that, uh, I finally bought the Graftech uh, saddles for the for the 50s player strat nice. so those should be here tomorrow which nice. that thing's been without saddles for like a while and then um i've actually been looking at like helix stuff but just just like casually not really like thinking to buy but that that's pretty much it for me yeah. um yeah not a whole lot of new stuff i mean i was uh, excited about the fm3 turbo release Mm. announcement that's like the the small the smallest unit in the fractal range yeah and they it had been out of stock for a really long time and then they announced they did like a bump up in cpu and like slightly bigger uh, scribble strips and stuff and that'll definitely be one of my next pieces of gear eventually i think for where i'm at right now that's like a really great mix of like portability and power and stuff and and like the the helix stuff like i've watched a lot of videos about like the the hx stomp and the hx stomp xl yeah and uh and the accompanying uh power cabs i think those are pretty cool too yeah yeah those are cool joey what's new with you uh i don't really have anything too new i'm looking at all the same stuff as normal like right now and then if like i have like filters for new baritones i think the the gretsch like actual like long baritones that like loathe play are really sick um because i've seen a couple of those come up on the feed um there was a black comet ac30 c2 which is like um it's the one that looks just like yours does standard but it's got um this like textured uh tolex to it that looks like looks like this oh that's really cool all over oh wow but anyways yeah it's pretty much it i haven't seen anything too new every now and then a vtm will come up but uh nothing too crazy right now um hold let me actually pull up my thing here because i was also looking at um i've been looking at uh some of the paratone tellies also um what else is on my deal here? No, I guess that's everything. Yeah, I thought that I was looking at something else, but it, it could have been on, on Sweetwater. I can't think of anything else new that's come out either that is coming right to mind. Did we? Uh, um, I don't know if we were looking at them at Hubbard's. One time I went in there, Jason was showing me like the, what is it? The, like the, it's the Squire line and it's like, all the weird ones. The paranormal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they did one that's like a Fender Fender 12-string electric Jaguar. Mm, I think I know what you're talking that, about. That yeah. just recently came out, and that one looked really sick to me. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, I know we talked about the new PRS stuff last time, but uh, Ivan has announced those AZS series guitars that are like uh, they're like single cut tele shape, um, with a single coil bridge, and then um, hmm. I can't remember what's in the neck actually. It's uh, let me see. Oh, is it the teal one? Uh, there's a few different ones. Um, there is that teal one. That's the one I'm most familiar with. I remember when that one. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, it is the teal one. Oh, yeah, it's a... It's a... Seymour Duncan uh, Agic Touch Mini. Hmm. Which looks like... It looks like a... Kind of like a... Crossover between us, like a P90 and a single coil, kind of. Hmm. Let me. Kind of also reminds me of whatever the pickups are in the Kaizen. Uh, no, it it it's a vintage mini humbucker. Hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, it looks cool. I mean, that's that's nice. That's what counts. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything to say about the Acoustasonic other than what I said. I mean. No. Cool that I got it. No. Uh, the other thing that's come up for me is I've decided to start to make my own cables um, instead of buying them. And that came up because I've got a coworker that uh, does it. Uh, and he turned me on to the site called Redco. And they sell like just component parts for cables. Um, and this kind of started... So it, it kind of started with uh, I, I wanted to buy like an actual speak-on cable instead of using the adapter that I use right now on the Mesa head to my uh to my uh pace cab and then i was looking at like decent quality cables and the there's like a 30 dollar option and then like they jump up to over 100 and so i was like well you know how like i knew that that guy had been familiar with ordering the component parts for it so i was like okay well i'll just look at that and i ended up getting enough or like enough cable and enough connectors to make um several speaker cables or like uh or like uh monitor cables um a speak on cable uh like two 10 foot instrument cables and about 50 feet of cat 6 ethernet line uh with all the hookups for it ended up being less than buying one one speak on cable aftermarket. Oh wow. So and the and the 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 connectors are all like nice connectors. Like they're not like cheap cheap ones or like the Hosa ones. They're mm -hmm. um it's uh Utrick everything. So mm. they're nicer. What cable did you get for the instrument cables? Uh let me tell you. Uh it's uh it is uh it's 19 gauge uh uh hogami yeah uh, the model with the four digit yeah it's uh well i've got like a um w2524 or yeah hmm i'm not familiar with that i like the ones i i know of are like the 2314 the 2319 the there's like one or two other ones but the 2314 and 2319 yeah, so there's the 2319, and then that's the smaller gauge, and then the 2524, which is the one that I got, which is 
which is uh it's got a th it's got uh like thicker shielding around it um I believe the overall resistance in it is lower yeah hmm. um but that's the thing is like it's 97 cents a foot hmm. like it's not and the and the and the connectors are like three or four dollars so you know you just have to have to solder it together but you're getting a nice cable for like the speak on cable alone was less than twenty dollars to buy all the parts for it and i can make two of them for under 30 bucks so like i just saved myself a hundred dollars there basically and got all these other cables hmm. which is nice like and it seems like a fun project to try you know and doing uh, your own cat six is also nice because you can do like sp specific lengths and um you know that it's you know where it comes from and the the quality of it um not that you can't just buy like long cables and cut them and then like you know attach the head back onto them afterward but it's just i don't know it's just cool to make your own i mm -hmm. guess the only thing i know about like building some of the cables is that on ones like the 2314 and the 2319, they have like a like a, a thermal conductive plastic mm -hmm. um, within the casing that you have to remove. Um, otherwise, it'll like short out the cable basically, or like yeah, it will basically like it'll test right on the multimeter, so you have to be careful. But it'll like effectively put on like a I want to say like a 5k load on the signal, so it like comes out like darker sounding than it's supposed to be. So that's the only thing I know is that on those types of ones, they have that thermal conductive plastic that is yeah. easy, easy to overlook. Yeah. You've got to take that off on the one that I bought too. Yeah. Um, like it specified that like right on the product page, like, um, actually it, I, I'm looking at it now. It says, uh, the conductive, uh, PVC, the conductive PVC layer must be removed together with the shielding conductor when wiring. Otherwise, we receive a strange claim that the cable is shorting. Yeah, yep, exactly. Hmm. How many strange claims have you received? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the last thing I'll say about this is I should have ordered patch like the pancake head patch cable jacks uh that that should be the next thing that i get are those um because i need like specific lengths for the board yeah and uh that would be a very easy way to achieve that maybe i'll do that because i was just going to order some more of the uh herny ball uh ribbon cables but if i can just make them that would be easier um speaking of patch cables today's topic is pedals <laughs> yeah we've talked about guitars we talked about the amps and now it's the little things in between little pedals how they affect your sound who uses them what are they for some people pride themselves on not using any at all and that's cool too but most people myself included like to uh, have a couple of flavors to change and affect your sound to find something that works for you yeah so yeah I think like maybe the place to start is we can talk about some of the stuff that we own first but um like maybe let's start with like what there's obviously a th like a thousand different types of pedal there's there's like broad categories you know overdrive uh distortion uh 
delay, reverb, phaser, fuzz, um, like the major categories that people are most interested in, uh, like dynamics, um, EQ or uh, compression. But, um, and I think we'll probably dive into each each subcategory kind of specifically at some point today, this is just kind of an over overview and like a general kind of discussion. But, um, I think we should start with kind of a broad question, which is why do each of us use pedals? Like, like what, what are we hoping to get out of it that we're not getting out of our, our, uh, guitar straight into the amp just in general. Mm, okay. Outside of the like obvious ones, they're like where the amp doesn't offer something like a delay, or in some cases they don't have the reverb or chorus, etc. Um, uh, a lot of it just it's for the dynamics. So with the example of like the like AC30 and like how I set up my AC50 or other similar amps uh, when I'm using those, like I'll usually have the amp um, set at like a certain level of breakup. And we'll use drive pedals in front of that to um, to boost that further. And sometimes you can just use a boost instead too. But um, there's there's fun in finding the the different types of um, distortion or drive that blend well with the amp that you're using and the rest of the signal chain as well. But normally it's to get multiple different like gain stages um, that you can go between to like effectively create a dynamic within whatever you're writing, whatever you're playing. Um, so that's one of the big ones. And then it, it, it's also like about the feel of it too. Cause like more so like when I think of like when I'm playing the 5150 or an amp like that, a high gain amp that has more than enough gain on tap to do all of that, uh, or like as much as you would want um, using a drive pedal in front of it. And uh, this is of course an incredibly common thing to do now, but or has been for a long time, but in front of it will like sort of like lean up the signal the amp is seeing or seeing from the guitar, and um, that's how you get those like much more like crisp or tight like palm mutes that are normally just straight in the amp a bit not flubby but like not as tight sounding, not as like lean, low end sounding. Um, and then they have like, of course, their own like resonance peak that they have with like the, what is used for things like the tone control, bass, middle, treble, etc. So they can just accentuate different parts of the guitar in different ways. But those are some of the most common ones that I like to use and why I like to use them. Yeah. Dylan? Yeah, I mean, I definitely just like having having like the various like delays and reverbs and modulations and stuff just as a writing tool. Just being able to just hang out and, and come up with different... Uh, situations with all those effects and that could be really inspiring you will write riffs that you wouldn't if you were just on a basic clean amp tone yeah. and so i like that a lot and then you know there's like the obvious things like you know kind of playing a rhythm part and you're maybe not using a uh, overdrive pedal and then when you take a guitar solo you need a boost and you need to kind of bring the volume up or in a little bit more gain like you can have multiple shades of overdrive that's like pretty common stacking overdrives and stuff like that and that's something that i like to do um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I'm probably the least experienced when it comes to like physically pedals compared to you guys, but I do really like, um, experimenting with stacking overdrives 
and then also like the delay and modulation and like changing the order of them. Yeah. That, that those can yield different results. Like even if you don't change where the knobs are, if you just put them in a different order, that could be really, really fun too. Yeah. Like, and like putting a delay pedal in front of the, the preamp, right. On a, on a mm-hmm. gain amp. Like, yeah. like that's a really cool sound. And just like, you just come up with stuff that you wouldn't otherwise you're just like on a, on a straight, straight amp sound. Yeah. Yeah. I think like in a lot of ways it's, it's like a form of, uh, of play, which is really interesting. Like, uh, that I don't really often experience when I, I play guitar just by itself. Like there's a sense of, of like exploration and fun of like, just like dial turning and trying new things or, you know, cycling through various sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like kind of whimsical in some way, which is interesting, uh, which yeah. I don't really experience that a lot when I'm just sitting down and playing, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes I, I don't want that. Like I'm trying to achieve something. So I don't really want to like, I just want this X sound and then I set things accordingly and do it. But um, I mean, I think like I'm pretty big on, on effects stuff. So I really like to use delay and, and reverb and like stack uh, delay and, and reverb or, uh, like run things at at different timings and like play around with it like that um i'm not really as versed in like overdrive stuff as like you and joey are um but uh i've recently gotten a little more interested in that now that i actually own like an overdrive pedal for the for bass and for guitar and then i've built a couple of them now so i kind of have a better sense of of how they work and what goes into it um but uh yeah i think you know the the obvious answer is it helps you achieve sounds that you couldn't normally achieve or that push the equipment that you have differently to accentuate different aspects of things um and i think that's why everybody primarily uses pedals but um i just think it's interesting to kind of think about well you know what are we hoping to get out of it i guess and to me, it just adds a whole other dimension to playing, in, you know, entirely, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy. Yeah, it's a feel thing. Even in the case of like a clean guitar thing, like, I mean, I don't always use them, but using it with the same setup that I spoke about before, the AC30, like using something like uh, a compressor that has a level control that can also then back off on the sound to, to clean the signal up as kind of like you would with the volume control on the guitar anyways is like, another dynamic there too that like it's just fun it gives you a different feel and then having the compressor in there as well just kind of makes it so that you can like not i say this a lot but not feel like you're so like on a knife edge when you're doing something where you can kind of like play with a bit more intensity and not feel like it's just gonna like blow up or like in in sound and volume when you do it so definitely a feel thing yeah i need a fuzz pedal now jared you think you can help me out with that (laughs) yeah i've got one up there you can use if you want um, and there's also worth mentioning uh, pedals that are just as important, but maybe not as as sexy, such as EQ pedals, tuner pedals, and noise gates. Yeah, I've Those got a lot to say about tuning pedals. <laughs> <laughs> um, tuning pedals, websites, you know, doing things unsolicited. Uh, what do we think are some of the high points of what we we have or or have had, but have gotten rid of? Uh, the first pedal I ever got was a, I still have it. It's a Boss SD1 that I bought from Stephen Cannon 
Carlsbad. Shout out to Steven. Good Shout out to Steven. Steven. Uh, that was the first one I ever got. So, Is that unlike your only one on the list? Of pedals that I like? Yeah, like your high points. Oh, no, no, I was just going over the ones that... The first. The first one, but uh, oh. I mean, there's a bunch. I'd have to go through my reverb to find it, but... All right, while well, he's looking, Dylan, you... Yeah, well, I mean, my first pedal was that Digitech Multi-FX one. And um, you still have it, and you still use it every time you play. Yeah, that's where the secret is. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then... It's hard to remember because I didn't really like have pedals for a long time. I think the second pedal I used was this like this EQ pedal that my dad had. It was like yeah. a graph. It was a graphic EQ. It was a blue box and it had no graphics on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember experimenting with that and also like learning about like using it in the effects loop and using it before. Yeah. And and also yeah. And I've it's cool. I think that that's kind of part of the Tesseract sound is sometimes using an EQ pedal instead of like a typical overdrive pedal and like using that to like cut low end and boost the mid range. And it gives it like a different kind of attack to it. That is pretty cool. Yeah. But you guys, you both now have, have the, the end all guitar tuner, which I would hope to get eventually to tell them, tell me about that. Yeah. So Joey got me turned on to this, uh, a while back. Um, it is uh, the um, Sonic Research. Uh, oh my God! What is the name of this? <laughs> it's the Turbo Tuner. Yeah, the Turbo the, Tuner, the newest, the ST three hundred. Yeah, the ST three hundred, and I think we both have the full size, right? Yeah, yeah. I've had the mini one before in the past. The only reason I don't have it now is because you can't have uh, drive through. So anytime you turn it on, it always mutes the output, and I like having it. Or like, there would be situations where I'd like to have it on and be able to to see how in tune I am when I'm playing the note as well. And that's like one of the key points of that tuner is it's just super accurate and super quick to pick up the note Yeah. Uh, as you're playing. Yeah, it's accurate within like 0. 0.02 cents or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a strobe tuner, um, if that wasn't obvious by the name. Uh, you can also like programs uh, like presets or like, like, uh, like tunings into it that you use that it uh can reference and and you can cycle through them um you can also you can calibrate it um by plugging it into the to a computer i think uh which is interesting um but yeah it's it's super accurate it's super sleek uh the the screen on it is really really bright and it has a really a unique texture to it which i I really like, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great tuning pedal, like stuff that you think, like, even if it sounds like it's in tune, you know, there's still a little bit of room there. You know what I mean? So you can get it pretty much as as close to perfect as you're willing to get it because it it takes a certain amount of patience seeing that ring go one way and then you, you know, it, it, it's too flat. So you go the other way and then it's, it spins the other way, you know, so mm-hmm. you kind of have to sit there with it, but um, you can just achieve a level of precision that you really can't out of any other tuning pedal, uh, which is actually stellar. So especially if you're going to record or something and you want it to be as like locked in as possible, even if you're not like not playing in, in like a standard tuning or you want everything to be like slightly sharp or something, you, you know, you can get 
it the same every single time like mm-hmm. you know it's just it's just super crazy it's cool um i've been i've been really happy with it yeah oh, and before we forget let's circle back what was your first pedal oh uh i don't remember what my first pedal was was it like that grunge pedal was it oh like yeah maybe that green was my first or pedal. purple or something no it was purple it was like uh it was like kind of like a light purple yeah i talked about that like an episode two or three or something where'd you get that from i bought it from dylan whitaker um yeah the dylan <laughs> um whenever i was playing in a band with him and colin what was colin's last name white gilmore gilmore, gilmore. <laughs> what the hell um <laughs> I, don't, I just made that man up um yeah i was playing in a band with him colin uh gilmore and josh crab and travis hatch and uh, i didn't have a a pedal to sound heavy so dylan sold me that grunge pedal and i I don't ever think I got rid of it. Or maybe, you know, I think I traded it in at, at a guitar center for something else and got like 30 bucks for it. Nice. Um, but then after that, it was like pretty much exclusively bass pedals for quite some time. So it was a dark glass B7K and then the B7. Well, it was the Ultra. And then uh, you guys got me the vintage uh, Overdrive, which was cool. The And then... Around that same time, I think I got an M9, maybe, or maybe that came later. I don't really remember. I think you had that multi-effect Boss one before oh, the M9. Oh yeah, came. that thing was crazy. I love that pedal. GT500. No, it was a GT10B, oh. and so it was just like the guitar unit that they had at the time. And they make them now, but they're like you know updated. Yeah. It was it was a silver multi-effects box that had an expression pedal on it. It had a looper built into it. Uh, and you could plug it right into the computer and like edit things or even record through yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it looked crazy. like a Helix or something. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except it was like silver and then it was like red accented. So it was super mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that thing. That, that that thing sounded awesome. Um, yeah, those are some of my first, first pedals. Um, that reminded me that was really nice that one uh, Christmas that we all got each other pedals. Yeah. You guys got me the bulb, the proton bulb overdrive, the green one. Oh, yeah. And then we got you the microtube vintage. Yeah. And then we got Joey. It's probably the, the Dreamscape. The Dreamscape. Yeah. yeah. The John Petrucci TC Electronic. Yeah. 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 Very cool. I, 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 I remember that now. Mm-hmm. What year did we get you the Galapagos uh, shirt? completely unrelated i just <laughs> it just popped into my mind it had to have been 13 or 14 yeah it was 13 or 14. that was like when it was cool yeah that you that yellow shirt yeah i bought all those shirts shout out to venus fallen yeah that guy shout was out cool. to matt wherever you are um i still have that uh periphery shirt and a few of the other ones which is cool did i give you the paps blue ribbon one yeah she I, wears it nice um, besides those, the the mainstays now are I've had I haven't had the same VFE focus, but the VFE focus is like a mainstay for me. Um, I that one is basically like a a filter boost pedal. It's like kind of like a a parametric EQ in a way, but it's only like a high and low. Sh- um, how would you put it? Um, low. 
low pass and high pass filter um with the boost pedal kind of like what um effectively does what like a tube screamer in front of a, a high gain amp would do but without the the distortion involved or any sort of clipping but that my favorite delay ever i still have it's the ibanez de7 mm. um yeah. that that in the like echo or tape setting um does a thing that like i haven't got in any other uh delays that i've had and i've had a, a couple of them now the last one that i remember having was the dd500 briefly yep as far as like those a bigger really one cool um so those two are sick um we must have mentioned it in like either the second or third episode of the podcast but the crowther hotcake is like a mainstay for me now yeah that's a cool pedal that one i really like um as far as like an actual drive pedal and then um the bogner harlow that one is like a like cheat codes pedal it's like yeah talk about that pedal so i don't absolutely embarrass myself <laughs> it's a it's a compressor slash boost pedal so it's got level bloom as uh which is just the amount of compression and then a a tone control that's like a it's kind of like active where you turn it up at, at noon it's neutral when you turn it up it cuts bass and boosts treble and then the opposite the other direction but uh it's just very musical sounding and it's just like it's it's so it's like takes a lot of the thinking out of like messing with the compressor and like understanding the ratios and the thresholds for everything uh it's like a guitar really a guitar player's like kind of compressor um but using it to boost for like a lead sound is like under the fingers is like super super nice feeling so that's why i call it like the cheat codes because it's like you can get away with a lot with that on um and then also using it like i was saying earlier too um for a clean sound is really cool too because you can use the level and if you're in the case of like a, a, a semi broken up amp to bring the bring the signal down and then also apply compression so that um, you can strike it without it breaking up because the compressor will catch it. And then also you have like a, a max ceiling that you're given by nature of using a compressor. And mm-hmm. so it'll, it'll stay clean at that level that you set it pretty well. But of course you can use it in front of like a, a super clean amp too and everything, but that, that one I love, and it's also got like a really cool little LED on the front that reacts to your playing depending on yep. how much um, compression and or bloom that you put in there. But uh, that's that's like a secret weapon. Yeah. A battle for me. Yeah. Yeah, Joey got me turned on to that. And uh, so the, the draw of the original one, which came out some time ago, um, is that uh, or a cool added feature of it is that it has a Rupert Neve uh, transformer in it um and that was like branded on the v1 of the pedal on the front and then if you turn the pedal over it had like a like a cutout that had like a little badge on it that said uh you know like neve on it and then um a couple years ago they put out a version two uh and joey had seen one originally when the version two came out that even though it uh they came out and specifically said no more neve yeah uh there was one that was sold and the guy opened it up and it had the Neve transformer in it, even though it didn't have any of the branding on it. And so what, why that's interesting is uh, you can usually get the version two for quite a bit cheaper than you can the V one. Yeah. 
And so Joey got really lucky with his. He had one several years ago and he sold it. And then he got another one from Guitar Center and they had mislabeled it as a V2. Or they priced it as a V2, right? And then you 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 bought it or something? Yeah, I can't I wanna say it was labeled as a V2, but either way it was priced the same as a V2 would be, which not a lot of folks even call them the V2, like Unless you're selling the V1, and then you know that it, then the people are trying to get money for it, so they'll they'll call it the V1 specifically. But most people, like especially a guitar stand, will just call it the Wagner Harlow. But yeah, yeah, it was it was priced the same as um as a V2 was, and then somehow, some way, someone was listing just a Wagner Harlow box on Reverb by yeah, itself. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. And who would do that? I don't and I'm know. a big fan of the, of having the box with whatever you buy, and keeping the box. So I bought the I bought a box for it off of Reverb as well. So now I have it, and I have a box for it too. Nice. Um, but yeah. Uh, did you did you mention that we opened yours up? No, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Um. So anyway, uh, well, Joey had seen that uh, somebody else's. E2 in in like the, the very first run of them had that had that transformer in it. So we started looking around on on reverb and I found a guy that was selling a version two for like a fair price. It was like 120 or 130 bucks or something. Yeah. Um and I actually messaged the guy and and I was like, hey, can you open it? <laughs> and he he tried to open it and he couldn't. And it's because it the 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 housing of the pedal is actually constructed differently, so it doesn't just pop open on the bottom. You have to you have to like do a few things to take the shroud off. Um, but anyway, I I told him I'll just go ahead and buy it. If it doesn't have it, fine. Like I can try to try and resell it, or I'll just keep it. Anyway, I got it, and it does have the Neve in it. Yeah, it's the same one as mine. Yeah, it's the same one as his. It just the 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 pedal like uh box and the or like the shell the um enclosure is different and the branding where the neve logo went before is like um a custom one from bogner so i mean cosmetically on the outside it looks differently but internally it's basically the same yeah which is super cool so we yeah both- i don't and we, i don't really know if like if there's like a I'm thinking, or we're th- we're thinking, there's like an early run of them that has those, and maybe the new- later ones don't, or they just stopped branding them. They did, like maybe they had some inventory for them, and they just kept using them until they were out. Like it's, I don't really know. I I was looking through the forums before about it. I want to say I saw some gut shots of other ones that where people didn't have that, or it was like a, a no brand. But yeah, um, either way, both of ours seem to have that Rupert New Transformer, which is a big part of the feel for that. So yeah um if you ever get a chance to try one you definitely should which that guy didn't know when he bought his or or maybe he bought it used or something so it it could have been like one of the very first ones and then um they make two other variations of the v1 just in case somebody like hits a wild hair and decides to buy one they make a black one which is usually very expensive and they make one that has a, a walnut top i think it's a bingo but yeah it's it's a wood top yeah it's got a wood top on it yeah and those, those are, are usually expensive. Too. Those are both usually pretty expensive, yeah. So you, you know, and it's just cosmetic changes. They're all V1s, but they just have like black on top or wood on top. Um, but yeah, you can get lucky with a V2 and hope, hope that it has the Neve transformer in it. And then, Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. You know now. Um, 
and also just back to what you said earlier about the uh la pedal um i picked up a boss uh space echo re202 which i i really 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 enjoy playing with it's probably the most fun i've had with a delay pedal but i think for just pure character my favorite delay pedal is probably a carbon copy from mxr um like that was like the first like actual delay pedal i ever owned i really like it a lot i like the mod uh switch on it um it just has a unique flavor i mean you know all analog delays kind of have their own flair to them but there's just something about that pedal that i i I really like a lot that's a good one yeah it's also like deceptively simple which is kind of nice like it's just got three knobs and the button on it and then i believe you can open it up on the bottom and make some additional changes but I, i haven't done that Dylan? Yeah, um, my overdrive, or not overdrive, I mean delay that I've had for forever is the Way Huge Super Puss. Oh, yeah. yeah. One. Man, that one's really With cool. With tap, tap tempo, right? Isn't uh-huh. It? Yeah, yeah it's and it's cool got one. a really cool mod on it. And I think that's one of my favorite delays. It's the only delay pedal I have currently, but that one, anytime I'm, I'm pulling out all the pedals and stuff, that definitely fills the role really well. Um, an overdrive pedal that I got not super long ago that I really like is the J rocket, uh, Archer, mm. which is like a boost and overdrive. It's like, you know, one of the many like Klon inspired pedals. Yeah. Klon Centaur overdrive. And it's just like really warm and thick. Um, and it, it just feels like kind of a little bit of a cheat code it just like makes it easy to solo and like helps you with your dynamics and stuff. And I really like that one and and stacking it with my little uh, TS-808 Mini. Mm-hmm. And that, that's you can do some really cool combinations with that. Um, another really unique pedal that I have and like a lot is the Electro Harmonics Qtron. Oh, yeah. It's uh, a um, envelope filter. And um, speaking of Grateful Dead, like it's kind of got an Ottawa sound almost and is Uh, definitely been used by jerry garcia and and a lot of people in the jam scene and it's a really cool pedal i've had it got it like 2016 or 17 and i didn't use it for a while and then when i finally like sometime after i'd moved up here i pulled it out and was trying to use it and it wouldn't work so i had to actually send it in to get Mm -hmm. repaired but they repaired it for free which is really cool yeah but um it's a 24 volt pedal so i have to like have a separate power supply for it Mm, that's right yeah Mm but it's cool it's very dynamic like it the the harder you play the stronger the effect is of course you can adjust that and stuff as well um and then another cool pedal that i have is uh, the mxr univibe oh yeah. yeah yeah you've had that for a while right yeah yeah um and that's definitely like Jimi hendrix inspired and, and it's like kind of cool like what is that vibrato leslie yeah kind of thing simulation for like Jimi hendrix e sounds and stuff and that that pedal's a lot of fun too um pedals a couple pedals that that i don't have but would really like to try are the uh the i don't know what the brand is but the generation loss pedal that misha has uh, i'm the names escaping no. me Here, but i can find out Another one is the JHS Artificial Blonde. That's the Madison Cunningham signature. It's like mm-hmm. a lo-fi pedal. Yeah. And I really like those sounds. I forget. Um, when I was really into Mac DeMarco a few years ago, I bought an Alesis Midi Verb 4. 
which uh-huh. is like a super old school primitive like rack multi effects unit, mm-hmm. and it has like a lot of those kind of like whooshy like yeah uh chorus mix all the way up sounds built in and that was like a thing that he was using a lot to record at the time so i would like to try some of like these newer generation like lo-fi pedals that like are yeah. doing like micro detuning and micro chorusing and stuff like just because that's such a unique thing to like have in one pedal yeah that's really cool chase bliss is the one who makes the generation loss yeah i don't know exactly like the specifics what separates the two but those are like two that come to mind that are like kind of doing that kind of thing right now yeah um and i know joey owned a horizon devices precision drive a couple yeah. of them and that's definitely one that i would like to own eventually too because it's just like such a, a clever you know yeah modern high gain situation that has the noise gate built into it and it has so much more control than a traditional tube screamer when it comes to those applications and like kind of my same you know it's just like it's just like a staple in the collection kind of the same reason like why i just got a tube screamer because a tube screamer you know everyone has one yeah or some version of one and like that'd be cool i wanted to like have one like that so yeah the I've always wanted a precision drive too. It would be cool to try and snag a Tokyo drive if I could, um, which is the same is that pedal. The one you just had? yeah, I had a yeah. Tokyo drive. It's just it's the same pedal but with like different cosmetics, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, I still have my Tart uh, Glass B7K Ultra. It's the the second generation of it. I actually don't use that too often anymore for bass stuff. Um, for base overdrive at the moment, I've been using a way huge pork and pickle, uh, which is an overdrive and a fuzz and it has a blend option on it. Um, so like you can toggle between overdrive or fuzz, uh, and then you've got like clean blend, uh, you know, gain obviously, and then, uh, a couple of EQ knobs. And I'm really stoked on that pedal. Actually, it sounds awesome. Um, and both the the overdrive and the fuzz are like very usable which is cool to see um that was recommended to me by a friend of ours at um at uh hubbard's music and more here in las cruces and uh for guitar i've been using a, a wampler tumnus deluxe um which is a, a, it's an it's another clone um it's got um a three band EQ. And then it also has uh, a switch on it, which is like normal and, and hot. And then the, if you switch it to hot, it gives it like a little bit of a high end boost. I believe, um, I keep it on normal most of the time. Uh, but that's a really cool pedal. Also, you have a little more control over the EQ. Mm. Um, sounds a little fuller, uh, Wampler makes good stuff. So mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of, of him. Um, and then in front of that, I've got the Harlow, like we talked about earlier. And then that's going into uh, a Boss MS3, which is like a multi-effects unit um, that takes analog pedals uh, and will incorporate them into your effects chain, which is which is cool. I don't use it to its full potential. That's definitely more Joey's thing. I feel, I feel like I should give it to him because I know he could get full use out of it. <laughs> I uh, just need to buy one. I had one briefly and I just, 
I didn't hang on to it. I, I've been meaning to get another one, but that's a very cool unit. Yeah. I think we've both been pretty big fans of like a number of like certain multi effects units, including the M series from Line 6, yep. the M9, the M5, um, and then the MS3 from Boss. So those are all really cool. They have some effects that are like based off of classic ones, but they also have some unique ones, like especially the, the, the M series had like very, very unique effects on them that a lot of people like even like a lot of like pro musicians in like the Nashville scene still use M9s. So, yeah. Like over other stuff because they're just so tried and true. But yeah, unfortunately, the screen on mine is damaged. I pulled that out like quite a while ago and the screen is, is screwed up like it got too hot or something fell on it. Hmm. Um, it still it still works, but you just can't tell what's going on. Like you can't see what's on the panel at all. Uh, that's weird. I remember when you guys got the MS3 though. That was really cool. Yeah. Like when that yeah, that's such a that's a crazy unit, and there's been no successor to it yet. So yeah, it's been out for a, a while now. It came out in like 2017. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something like that. So like six yeah. years ago. Um. And they're still actively made, which is like really interesting. You would think that they would either like refresh it or cut off uh, production, especially if it's still selling, but I don't know. Boss uh, makes like a thousand things. So, yeah, it's there's I have a pedal pulled up here. It's not a pedal, actually, but um, I, I remember seeing Nolly post about it a long time ago. And then it's like a, a Eric Clapton thing. The the Dallas Range Master. Oh, a treble booster. Yeah. yeah. What what is that? Is that just like a a tabletop like overdrive kind of? Thing? Yeah, they have forms of them that are like a a box with a dial on it instead of a, like a stomp box that's just normally the knob is like a it's got like a click where it clicks on. Some of them have just a power and they're just powered on. But yeah, it just sits before they would sit like on top of the amp like people whenever they would use them with like AC30s and stuff they would just sit it on top of the amp and plug into that and then go straight into um, the amplifier after that. But they have like, it's kind of, I mean, in some ways it's kind of like using like a boost into a high gain thing only because like, like with the example of the AC 30, it was like, there was so little low end already in an AC 30 that using that, like was one of the only ways you could really get more volume because it was just like, it leaned up the signal so much that like, I don't really know how to how to explain it. I guess it's like it cuts through in a way that's different. Like it sounds like it's just treble and some of it, most of it is, but it's like kind of an upper mid range thing that um, people would use to get be heard even more. But the, especially the the tabletop versions of our are pretty cool. They look sick. I like treble boosters a lot. Man. That's really crazy. I've never even seen one of those before. That's cool. Another kind of just out there one that James Jameson has is the the drop tune. Oh yeah! Or oh the, yeah! Yeah, the yeah. whammy. Yeah, the whammy, yeah. right? Yeah, you whammies can, are cool. Yeah. yeah, very fun. Yeah, people can write whole songs around them. Yeah, very cool. Um, I'm trying to think about uh, other interesting things. Um, loopers. Yeah, I've got uh, Boss RE5, which is cool. Um, I really have a lot of fun with that. Wait, is that the model of it? RC? 
Yeah, RC5, not RE5. Um, it's a one by 15. Uh, <laughs> um, Goat in the water. Another pedal that I really, really, really want to try is the Microcosm. Yeah. yeah. I think like everybody's pretty hot and heavy over that thing. They're they're really popular now, but that just seems like such a cool idea. Uh, hologram electronics, yeah. Microcosm, and they they retail at like four fifty nine, and then they you can get them used sometimes. For like I feel like I feel like John Para has one of those. Either that, or he has like some sort of like other crazy pedal called the. Giger something or I don't know what it is. It's something crazy I saw that he had. Also, shout out Toilet Stan. Shout, shout out, out Para. John Para. Yeah, shout uh, out Toilet Stan for sure. Um, I don't, it just seems like a pedal he would have. Yeah, he's got some cool stuff for sure. Yeah, he does. He's also a super cool guy. Always been really kind to us. Yeah. I really, I think that the. Uh, the boomerang looper that Tosin used to use. I know a couple of local oh, guys yeah. that still use those. I don't know if those are particularly great, but they look cool and are from that cool era when all the gear was new and exciting. Yeah. I don't know if they even still make those or not. No, they don't. But man, that thing looks like it looks like something out of the 90s. That's crazy. Marty McFly spotted with boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like something he would. He would have used. <laughs> yeah, man, I swear by it. I swear by it. <laughs> you have to go and find those. Yeah, well. Uh, or not. I'll just leave them in. <laughs> um, I'll rely on the isotope software to clean it up. So another thing that's probably worth talking about, right, is your uh, signal chain and uh, the order in which you put pedals and uh, the way that one pedal interacts with another, um, depending on where they're at in the chain. Um, you know, there's kind of a traditional way of doing it um, that I actually have had to read and reread several times because I forget. Um, but, uh, you know, um, and then you can also cycle in like uh, effects pedals like reverb and delay and things like that into an effects loop of an amp if you have one or put them before the amp. So I guess I'm just wondering like what you guys think about pedal order, how you choose to order things and, and like why you order them that, that way. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess uh, from what I know about like a standard arrangement for pedal order, not a like hard and fast uh, rule or anything, but typically what you see is a, uh, like all of your like impedance sensitive um, pedals, like some stuff like vintage fuzzes, waz, things like a treble booster, anything with like a germanium transistor, like a silicon transistor uh, that are like sensitive to like input buffering, assuming you have a buffer, which is another thing to talk about. But uh, normally those go in the front because um, those don't like seeing buffers that like a lot of pedals have, um, of which are like boss pedals, for example, all have or I'm pretty sure nearly all of them have buffers, but yeah. normally those want to see like the signal from the guitar first. And then 
after that, you generally see things like uh, dynamic affecting pedals, compressors, filters, um, even octaves. You usually see those first because those like to see the guitar input as well so they can react as uh, dynamically as possible to those. Uh, normally after that, you see distortion and overdrive pedals. Um, and then usually like a, the boost in EQs um, after that. Uh, it's a pretty common arrangement. I like using them beforehand too. Uh, just again, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Uh, volume pedal placement is like an interesting one because um, a lot of people will use it after the drive section, which is um, has its pros. Um, I guess the theory is that you have the guitar volume knob on your guitar anyway, so you don't really need it beforehand. I do like having them beforehand because it's just easier to do with your foot than having to reach down to to grab it on the guitar, which is still fine. Um, but if you have it after all the drives, the cool thing about doing it there is it just like you don't get the same effect. You just get it acts as a master volume. Yeah. Essentially, is all it does. And so your your drive, your level of drive and gain and everything prior to that doesn't change. Just the volume of it does. So that can be useful for some things. But um, and then typically modulation effects chorus tremolo vibrato uh, phaser flanger um all of that usually comes second to last and last is usually your time-based effects so delay and reverbs and some people like those in different orders too so yeah. it really just depends um but that's sort of like a standard chain and then again normally you if you have like a if you're trying to build like a nice pedal board you'll often have like an input buffer and an output buffer um for both so um that's that's normally how they do it but again you can do dylan spoke earlier about like using delays into like distorted sounds in the front and that has a cool sound too so there's no like real rule about them whatever yeah. sounds good i have an input buffer i don't have an output buffer um yeah i mean well a lot of pedals will um they just not all buffers are created equal. Right, yeah. You know, like, even the even the boss ones are fine, but, they're, like, there are, I hesitate to say higher quality, but, like, better matched ones to get. Yeah. Um, normally, like, it, it's really just the impedance. Um, normally, like, I want to say Mason Marangella from Vertex says, because he's, like, got a whole spiel on uh, buffers and the impedance for him. I want to say it's, like, Ideally, you want like a one meg input impedance and a hundred ohm output impedance, if I remember right. And I don't remember where the boss one is. I want to say it's like in the 500 somewhere, 500k. I'm not sure if that's right, but um, yeah, I mean, you don't, it depends on how many things you have in the signal path, obviously, because then you get how many true bypass pedals you have, how many buffered pedals you have, um, but generally like it's uh if you wanted like a, a really nice setup that you were assuring you had no de uh degradation in the signal and especially to drive like long cable signals um in and out of the pedal board um and input and output buffer really really kind of uh, help that yeah yeah my board is set up basically exactly like like you described i mean that exact series of events mm -hmm. all the way to the end the, the only thing are and I, I just i've got my looper at the very end of the chain and then uh my 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 volume pedal is actually hooked up to my big sky and uh and the um ms3 um after the after the tuner does the looper go at the end or the beginning 
I put it at the end so it picks up everything. Okay. Yeah, if you put it at the end, it's kind of like recording a take in the DAW where it's like, like putting it in the front would be like recording a DI, mm. basically, and then putting it at the end is like recorded. Well, I can't remember because I not that long ago had to, uh, made Axe Eight patches to do the looper and have it so I can record regular sound and then put a delay on and then play over the top loop a clean and play over the top of it so yeah probably so, would be at the end then yeah usually and have them at the end for something like that yeah mm. and that's again the most common thing to do is have them at the very end mm. yeah well the cool thing about the about my looper is that it also has like like drum beats built into it so like if i want to like play play bass to one of something i can do that or uh you know, like get a, a feel for a part, you know, with like, as you know, these are not real drums. So they definitely don't sound like real drums, but kind of have that sense. Just have something to like help you like work on a part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then plus it's got all the, like all the effects on it that I would be playing it with normally, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, I've pretty much never used an effects loop. Even when I've had one, I've never used it. I just put like, uh, modulation or time-based effects at the end of the chain. I don't put them after the or before or after the amp, or I don't put them after the amp, um, like the effects loop does. Mm, you mean even like in like a digital version? You mean? Yeah, even yeah. In, even in that either. Yeah. Mm. I do like, I do like having some of them um, after. It's it's a nice sound because you get you don't get. And again, for effects, like for some effects, it, it's cool to have the the distortion on the delay trails. But that's one thing that you avoid by having it in the effects loop is <clears throat> the trails um, aren't being distorted. It's really just like the distorted sound is being uh, delayed, and it's that's part of the trail instead. So it's, it's different effects. Like easier to compare it with like a reverb, where like the huge explosion of sound is like. The distortion is being amplified through the cave, not the cave being distorted. Yeah. Or something mm -hmm. like that, the room sound being distorted after. So I do like them. I mean, they're a bit more worked to to have set up more cables and everything. And again, then you have to kind of be concerned about the cable length in order to get all that set up as well as too. But for some things, especially if you want like the really pristine, clean delay sound, um, having it having it in the, the loop helps. And then there's other benefits too, like in the high gain realm, having something like a gate that's like maybe not your only gate, but one that can clean up the preamp hiss between the preamp and power amp is also really helpful. I did that a lot on the um, invective when I had it because you have the gate on the front, but then you can put a gate in the foot switchable effects loop in the back to, to kill any of the preamp hiss too. So it's just like dead quiet, like you don't get the amp sound um, really yeah at all. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. So there are reasons to do it. Um, and then there's like everything else with like running stereo and wet dry rigs and wet dry wet rigs and all that that maybe would be another episode to have to, to speak about all that. But um, yeah, effects loops are cool. I, I, I think they're cool. There's a bunch of different kinds, but yeah, I actually have a lot of uh, questions about running things in stereo like how to do that correctly, like how to exactly wire it. and Yeah, yesterday I was just watching the Kurt Blue rig rundown, and he's using the Helix, so it's like, you know, a different thing. But just talking about like uh, stereo rigs and 
having to do different things and also that john brown monuments thing yeah. how he like has a delay on the left guitar or whatever to imitate two guitar players some wild stuff yeah yeah i guess that's another thing that we'll probably have to dedicate an entire episode to which we've talked about before is just like modeling uh and 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 effects modeling um We've talked about it briefly with amplifiers, but it's something that we all use or have used to a certain extent, um, whether it be line six equipment or uh, fractal equipment or, or boss equipment. Um, uh, and I definitely think that, that that, just to kind of talk about it like briefly, I guess, um, effects modeling has its place uh, and it, it's unique in some ways too, like you can capture effects and, and certain sounds that, you know, even if they're, they are emulating a, a certain pedal, they've got their own flavor to them. Um, and there's also like that convenience factor of just having everything in one box, um, which, you know, you could also argue is a downside, right? Like on the MS3, you have all these effects in, in one box. They're all, they're all boss effects. So whether or not you think that's cool or not is largely dependent on on your own tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, in the case of that, it's like to me, it's like a a Swiss Army knife, like a tool yeah. where like it's meant to like accommodate a simple setup. In the case of the MS3 and a couple of extra pedals, and then have you have options for adding different things where and when you need them, or if you just want to experiment. Like I don't want to spend money dedicating or de- to a dedicated tremolo pedal. This one has one on it that I can use um, to try in the moment or any number of other things like that. Like maybe I don't want to buy a dedicated chorus pedal or, you know, anything like that. So, yeah, it just depends on your needs and like what's important to you and stuff as well. And that could also like be, you know, worth mentioning, like why some people just want to get the boss basic pedals. They just want, you know pretty basic and stuff and then what some other people they want very boutique and very choice pedals and there are certain reasons why because they're really looking for a specific shade of overdrive or like the the harlow that does the compression and stuff like not hardly any pedals are going to have that specific combination of features that you're really looking for yeah yeah i mean it's it's fun too because it's like a very personal thing like most everything else it's uh you know, I don't know too many people that have like maybe there's some similarities with the with their boards and their setups for it, but I mean, there's just so much variation with all that there is out there. Um, and yeah, it's just fun to like the drive pedals that we all choose to use are currently pretty different, but we all there's still still common ground, obviously, in what we like, anyways. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool to go and see what other people like to use, what they've landed on. There's something cool about the, or like, I guess something about the multi-effects thing is that you're kind of like at the mercy of whatever that particular brand and manufacturer is. Like, you're kind of trusting their ear for all those sounds yeah. in there. And so, like, you see people that have, like, every Strymon pedal together. And that's, like, that's cool, too. Like, you're really into the Strymon sound. Uh, and all of them but I, I think for me and like a lot of people it's like about finding like i like strymon's take on this yeah i like boss's take on this um and sometimes it's like not just limited to that like i like a lot of drive pedals and a lot of different other pedals um so like and i've said this at 
times before on episodes before too like i i could much easier like or much more easily see myself with like many more pedals than something like many amplifiers or even many guitars yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. they take up less space but it's also like this is the flavor of uh this is one particular flavor that I can pull out with relative ease and set up and, um, you know, satisfy that itch for like relatively low commitment to depending on like, uh, how much they cost and, and things like that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, just to add one more thing on to that is like, it is interesting. Uh, we had talked about this a few weeks ago, which whenever I started like building the pedal kits and that kind of thing. I was like, yeah, it would be interesting to try to make my own pedal. And you said like, like that is unique. And you said, good luck. Cause it's like, there's so many people now yeah. making pedals that it's like every, almost every Avenue. It feels like has been actively covered. Yeah. I think for some things, especially like drive pedals. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, it's hard to say literally, but like, to some degree, I almost think that there's not an original circuit anymore. Like, so much has already been done. Like, you'd have to have, like, all new technology. And even in that case, like, it's hard to not try to use that to, like, accomplish the same things that were done before in just a different, like, or better way. Yeah. Instead of, like, a whole new way of getting a sound that's not just what you get with capacitors, resistors, diodes, etc. Like it's just yeah it's tough i mean you may have like i mean you could say maybe like taking a tube screamer and adding like all these different other features on it makes it different but it's still you know it's like again original original circuits are very hard to come by now so yeah you can have your take on them um is what you see more often than not yeah well it's because all of the incentive is to kind of cover the old ground like because that's what people like so yeah you know you don't really have a lot of reason to like make this entirely new thing yeah and i think some of it too though is like even if it's even if the intent is to get it like, like i don't know i think amp in a box pedals is an example like i i really like an example that comes to mind is the walrus audio um 385 it's like voice to sound like or the idea is that it sounds like a an amplifier from an old like projector that yeah they took out and they like used it for guitar and it sounded really cool and I think that like that on its own, like I don't remember any other pedal that was voiced to sound or like made in or the intent was to sound like a projector amplifier. But even if that's the case, I don't know that the circuit itself is radically different than any other drive pedal um, in like design. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, we. I, again, I don't know, like it could be as as simple as like we just decided to use this combination of components and um change the tone stack in this way so that it sounds more like that but like that layout and construction is identical to like hundreds of other pedals i don't know i I would guess so so even what i'm saying is that even if the intent is to get is to sound like something that doesn't it doesn't exist in the market already i think in the ways that you do that is still like a pretty standard yeah method of doing so like there's still like a, a a way to do that that's like very very common so um yeah yeah pedal designs and how people are still putting stuff out is kind of crazy yeah i guess like all of the novelty can come from like parameter parameterizing every possible value 
and that's where like uh ulti effects uh, uh, units like kind of have a unique or maybe a one up because they can kind of put in infinite knobs almost you can't you, you know like on a emulation of a tube screamer like you know there's only going to be so many knobs but like you can achieve such fine grain values but whether or, or not those are, are are like hearable is something else yeah um but like that's the only like like maybe feasible way i can see but even in that case the circuitry itself is not different it's just how you're achieving sound is slightly slightly different yeah anyway that's a whole other conversation well so um it's pretty clear to me that we're gonna have to go into several more episodes here talking about pedals and talking about specific subcategories of pedals um it's just such a huge topic and um there's so much more to go over and we've kind of just scratched the surface in the hour plus we've been talking about it now um maybe if we didn't screw around so much oh we could have gotten more done um (laughs) But yeah, we want to thank everybody for sticking around and listening. Uh, this is our seventh episode, and we're still like really excited and happy to keep doing this. Yeah, it's been really cool. I think I'm probably gonna work on making an Instagram. So we just like want to have a point that, of contact for people. Like if people are have an idea for an episode or like want us to, like revisit something or go deep dive on something, like feel free to like reach out. So yeah, definitely be idea. getting that out there. Hopefully here pretty soon. So definitely would uh, definitely have continue to really appreciate any feedback that you have yeah of course yep all right and on that bombshell we will see you next month adios see ya hasta luego